everyone. I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And welcome to Novel Finds Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. We are very excited. This is our very first episode, so thank you all for joining. And yes. we are excited to get to talk about our all-time favorite book. Yes, the book that we bonded over. Yes, and since it's our very first episode, um, we thought it would be good to introduce ourselves a little bit. Just maybe. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, Julia, why don't you start? Tell us a little about yourself, why you love reading. All right. Um, well, my name is Julia. I love reading and... <laughs> <laughs> I currently live in Sacramento, California, and I spend most of my time reading when not child wrangling. Uh, And I just love it because there's so many books out there that need to be read, and I volunteer to read those. So good for you. Someone's got to do it, right? Right. (laughs) What about you, Maggie? Tell us about yourself and why you love reading. Thank you. Well, to start, I'm Maggie. I live in Chicago. I am also a bit of a child wrangler myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I have just always loved reading. I don't really remember a time of my life where I wasn't reading, um, whether it was American Girl books. (laughs) I love those. Right? So good. I've, I've just always loved it. I think I've always had a big imagination and I've always wanted to have a lot of adventures <laughs> and reading allowed me to do that as I grew up yeah. in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, right. The Midwest. Like what else are you going to do? You're going to play, play outside, but then when there's snow, you play inside. Exactly. I, I don't like the snow, so it wasn't an option for me. Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is why I live in California now. You made the smart move. I got to get out there myself. Oh my goodness. It hailed a couple of weeks ago and that was a bit too much for me. Oh no. I know. I thought it was raining and then like it happened while I was driving and it hit the car so hard. I was like, wait, wait, I'm in California. Why are there little specks of ice hitting my car right now? Um, But it didn't last. It was like maybe a day of it. Okay. That's good. Hail's dangerous. You got to look out for hail. So for those of you who don't know me and Julia, we met through a children's theater, Missoula Children's Theater, a little Mm -hmm. shout out to them. We were roommates during our two weeks of training and we were were roommates, (laughs) hotel mates, (laughs) stayed in the same hotel room for two weeks. Um, And I just got to (laughs) say... I feel really lucky because I felt like I met my soul sister. Oh, I did too. Our two weeks. And the moment I felt we both knew we were going to be friends. And I don't even remember how it came up, but it was when we both realized that we loved the night circus. So, okay. I think I remember okay. how it came up. You weren't in the room yet. I think that you were out like talking to your tour partner or something. Hmm. And so I was in the room and like, we split it down the middle. It wasn't one of those, like I should be in your area. And I wasn't, 
but I looked over at your area and was just like, she has really cute clothes. And then I saw, <laughs> and then I saw the night circus on the desk and I was like, oh my gosh, she likes the night circus. I wonder if she's actually read it yet or if she's like going to. And so then when you came in, I was like, so I see you have the night circus and both of us then just immediately started gushing about it. Yes, I do. That's all coming back to me now. I remember that. <laughs> So fondly. It is when you meet someone who has already read The Night Circus, it's like you share something really special because everybody who reads it loves it. Right. It's like we're all reviewers. We're all meeting each other from different places and talking about this amazing circus. Absolutely. And that is why we decided this had to be the book for our very first episode. Yes. It's what brought us together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of thought I would start by hitting you up with a summary. Absolutely. Hit me with that summary. Okay, here we go. Um, When Prospero the Enchanter realizes that his daughter Celia has innate magical abilities, he calls upon his old rival Alexander to compete in one final duel. The dueling ground is the night circus, a unique experience filled with true magical amazements and is, of course, only open at night. Having been trained since childhood to compete in this duel of strength and stamina, the two young magicians, Celia and Alexander's student Marco, are thrown into this battle of imagination and will, but unknown to them, only one can remain standing. Celia and Marco fall in love and soon begin to realize the fate of the performers and patrons of the circus are at risk. That's really good. Did you write that yourself? I did. I did write that myself. Awesome. Good job. Thank you so much. I don't know if you know this, but I actually met Erin Morgenstern. My queen. Uh, No, you do know this, but the audience doesn't know this. So we're telling them now. I met Erin Morgenstern uh, when I was on tour for Missoula Children's Theater last fall. And it was really cool. It was, oh my gosh, I've just spent so many years. I, I started reading this book. I read it for the first time when I was 20. And so I've just loved this author for literally seven years now. And I'm just it was amazing. And I was so nervous to meet her yes. and fun fact for me, at least, cause I don't watch her interviews if she has any, but her voice is actually a little bit higher than what I imagined it would be based on her picture. That's very interesting. She definitely looks like someone who has like a low jazzy voice, right? She just, and she dresses really jazzy and yeah. very witchy and chill. And so I was like, oh, it's going to be like really deep, but no, it's not. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. That's fun. That's always very, it's very fun to hear someone's voice for the first time. When I watch mm-hmm. author interviews, it's always very alarming. I think to hear their it, voice for the first time. It's so weird to just like put a voice to the face. Okay, Julia, um, the people demand to know, and I need to know, how did you come across this book and what makes it a favorite for you? (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) The people can't see my face right now, but it's kind of bright red and Maggie's laughing at it. Um, I came across this book 
when I was 20, I was doing a play in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which I'm from Michigan, not Grand Rapids, but it was like right out of college. I was doing the play bus stop and it was really cool. It was very fun to be doing something uh, professional in theater. And I had, I had a fling with one of the guys in the cast. I know Uh, he's married now and it's not to me. So (laughs) that's how well it went. Um, But he, he in knowing that I like reading and like really fantastical stuff. And he, I told him that I read tarot cards and he immediately was like, Oh my gosh, you need to read this book. You're going to love it. I was like, okay, cool. And then he brought me his copy of it to read And I did love it. And I tried convincing him to let me keep his copy. And he said, no. And (laughs) that's not why we stopped our fling, but it could be. It's one of the reasons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that like, there was a character that was reading tarot that she's also blonde. And he like connected them and was like, knew me enough to be like, she would really like this. Uh, because it did turn into a favorite because there's not that many books that I've read where like tarot cards are a big thing. And like, whenever that shows up in the media, I'm just like, all right, let's see. Is it correct? Like, is it actually true what they're reading? Oh yes, I do. I always wonder that because some of the cards just look good, but then the reading that they say it doesn't match, but that's fine. Okay. (laughs) That's that's just a me thing. <laughs> Can't be perfect. Right. Why have a million dollar thing and correct tarot readings? It's just not on their list of things to do, I guess. It's not a priority. Just become a producer on every single TV show, movie, and book mm-hmm. as tarot. Yes. People are going to listen to this podcast and be like, yes. Julia knows what she is talking mm-hmm. about with tarot. She's never read for anyone but herself and a couple friends. But you read for me once. <laughs> I have. I have. I <laughs> in the past couple of years, I've branched out a bit more. But definitely, when I started, it was just me. What about you? How did you come across the book? Um, well, I read this book in high school for the first time, and I had an off hour. Uh, with none of my friends. Not that there were many to choose from. I was very dorky mm. <laughs> in high school. Same. I mean, still am, but high school is a hard time. If you're in high school right now, don't worry. It gets better for real. It, it gets okay. <laughs> you're <laughs> no longer in high school. <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> um, so I went to the library during my off hour and this book was just on display. It was like on top of the shelves in one of those little book jackets. It's a good book to display. It is. It's a very pretty cover. And for no, I mean, there was really no reason. I just saw the cover. I had nothing else to do during my free period. And I started reading it and I fell in love with it. I I think this book really is such a favorite for me because I get something different from it every single time. Um, I feel like I relate to a different character as I grow older and start loving different characters more and more. I also want it to be real so badly, like so insanely badly that I think 
reading it kind of like appeases me. <laughs> That's fair. Your answer was much more concise than mine. I just <laughs> went on a ramble about tarot cards. No, I loved it. <laughs> I loved but it. The universe had you drawn to it because it knew that we were going to do a podcast about it one day. That could be true. The stars were aligning for me in that library. So with it being a favorite and being so fanciful and like, obviously, I feel like anyone that reads it wants it to be real. Mm -hmm. If you could bring something from the book into this world, what would it be? I mean, other than like the circus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, narrow it down. I really, I want the little red scarves. To be real, I want to wear one and feel like I'm kind of a part of a special group of people that's obsessed with the night circus. I think that would be my answer. I like that. I like that a lot. What about you? Ooh, um, I think I would want uh, Herr Tiesen's clocks. I (gasps) I want him to have an actual shop that makes just magical clocks like that. That would be amazing. Yes. The descriptions of his clocks are just so cool. And I, I don't even know, like, I don't know how to make clocks. And so I have no idea what kind of work goes into it or how actually like realistic it is, but Mm -hmm. I hope that it is. I want to see these like awesome clocks that turn inside out as they chime and stuff. Yes. Yes. They are. They're described so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who haven't read The Night Circus, um, RTSN is a German clockmaker. Uh, German or Swiss? Yikes, I don't remember. Let me look it up. Right <laughs> okay, um, Julia's going to look it up. He's a <laughs> clockmaker and Celia, one of the young magicians, really bonds with him. For me, it kind of feels like he's sort of a father figure to her. And he makes the grand clock that goes... Um, in the night circus and it plays a very intricate part at the very end of the book which I won't say because massive spoiler but the (laughs) clock sounds beautiful and it's very important to the story I think I passed it but I don't know because this book has such episodic sections that literally it could be anywhere it could be anywhere it could be anywhere yes the the book I guess while we're here let's talk about that it travels through time Every chapter is in a different year. And I think that makes it read like really poetically. He's, in, he's from Germany. Oh, did you I looked it up on Google. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Julia's like frantically reading the book. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was looking for a different chapter title, but yes, Munich, Germany. Yes. I love that it goes back and forth through time. It kind of gives hints as to what's going to happen and how the circus will kind of fall apart at the end. While also you're discovering the journey of them still building the the circus and the connections that are still being made. It's such a, I love it when books do that. Yeah. It makes every reread like just slightly clearer than the last one. Like what you said, you learn something new every time. For me, this time through, I was watching a lot of the secondary characters and and following their their through lines versus mm-hmm. like Celia and Marco. 
and was just like, oh, this is so cool. I'm still loving it, even after years of reading this book all the time. (laughs) Amazing. I always, I love the sisters. Every time I reread it, I love them more. I do. I fall in love with the side characters more and more with every reread. Yeah. The, the co-conspirators are the people that started the circus, Mm -hmm. like, like Tante Padva, 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 I think. Yeah, I think so. If we're wrong, tell us. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure it out. Uh, And Mr. Barris, uh, Mr. Barris, he, yes, we like meet him as the most straight laced architect character of the book. And then he turns out to be like kind of mischievous and very smart and very bookish. And I'm just like, ah, he's so, so wholesome. He's He's very wholesome. So there's a lot of magic in the book, of course, Mm -hmm. two magicians and a night circus. Um, but the students are taught with two different schools of magic. Celia sort of has an innate ability to do the magic, while Marco is taught through books. Um, so, Julia, I am wondering, what school of magic would you want to be taught with? Mm, that's a very good question. I would probably want to be taught like Marco is taught. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, if I get the choice between having innate ability in magic and learning about magic and like getting the ability, I would want the innate ability because that would just make it so much easier. But yes, but I think that the way that Marco learns just by reading all of the time and by like just hardcore studying that appeals to me a bit more it's like. Okay. I like I like sitting around and reading all of the time. <laughs> Who doesn't? And I like writing random notes in different pieces of paper that I can never find again. Like it's so much fun. In terms of like whether or not if I was Celia or Marco, I think I would probably still choose Marco. Celia's the way that she learned really upsets me, but the way that Marco learned also really upsets me just because both characters Yeah did not have great experiences with it. Like they, they were missing a bunch of core things. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's almost like two different, well, specifically with Celia and Marco, it's two different forms of abuse almost Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Celia's her dad. um, I mean, Prospero breaks her hands and kills birds and forces her to put them back together which is horrifying. And then Marco is adopted from this orphanage and then abandoned and like left yes. to be alone and read by himself. For the his only person life. he sees is his teacher until he's like 18 or 19 years old. And then he can go out in public whenever he wants. It's definitely two different types of abuse, but still very hard to choose. Which one do you want? But yes. <laughs> if you wanted like just the way that they learned and the type of magic, that's yeah. that would be my answer. If we're strictly going with just the type of magic they do and the way that they learned, I would want to have the innate ability. I think I would rather learn how to control it and have it kind of be a part of me than feel like it was something I had to learn. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to be Celia or Marco. Both had very no, sad lives. No, hard pass on that childhood. That <laughs> hard <would> pass. <laughs> but I mean, Celia turned out all right. Mark, Mark, 
Marco turned out okay. He he's okay. is not the worst. Uh, yes, but he's while we're there. not the best. <laughs> yeah. Let's um talk <laughs> Let's about unpack that. that. <laughs> yeah, you go first. What what do you think? Who is the bad guy? Is he a bad guy? Yes. Okay. I I don't think that there's one specific bad guy in this book. There's not really like this antagonist versus a protagonist. It is really all of these people trying to navigate the magic in the circus. I do think that there are a lot of bad driving forces. I think both Prospero and Alexander are bad people. Yes. (laughs) They abuse children. I think we can all say that that's really bad. Um, I also think Marco, he's not malicious. Um, so I don't think that that makes him like a bad guy, but he's, he's very selfish and he hurts a lot of people um, because he's, he's living for himself. I mean, to be fair, he lived alone for like right. 18 years, but the way that he treats Isabel and the other performers at the circus is just horrifying to me. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, the type of magic he uses all of the time is manipulation. Like he manipulates mm-hmm. the stuff around him. He he uses his brain power to get into other people's brains and manipulate like what they can see and what they can't see and stuff like that. And so it comes down to a lot of like, well, is are they consenting to this sort of this sort of uh, image in their head? Do they? How can you consent to that without? it happening, I guess. So it's, it's, and it's just how he learned magic. Like that's how Alexander does his. And so that's how Marco does his, like, that's all he knows. Plus being alone forever. He wants to be liked by people. He wants to be around people. He wants to be liked. So of course he's going to use manipulating magic that he has to make sure that he's liked. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Whereas, 100%. whereas Celia is like one of the most empathetic characters in the entire dang book. And yes, she's she so nice. That. I mean, is anybody in the world, fiction or nonfiction, nicer than Celia? With everything she's had to go through, she's just so empathetic mm-hmm. to Ertiesen, to the other performers at the circus, even Isabel, who like hates her. Right. Oh my gosh, Isabel. <laughs> That poor um, girl. That that is another thing. She gets the short end of the stick, but she also chooses the short end of the stick. She does. I think she kind of makes it happen for herself. Like she creates right. her own it's prophecy and then so lives it out. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I mean, it's also, I think, a testament to young love. Like mm. She loves Marco and is convinced that they're going to be together and she wants to help him. However, which is like really innocent and it's really nice. But then like after so many years of still helping him and Marco being Marco, like it it turns into something very toxic. Definitely. Absolutely. And I think any relationship that's not meant to be on one end becomes a little bit toxic. Oh yeah. And Marco's, maybe it's, I don't know if I fully believe this, but I think Marco's redeeming qualities come from Celia loving him and him loving Celia. So when he's with Isabel, he's really not, 
he doesn't treat her very well at all. I mean, I think he thinks that she's exciting in the beginning, but then he he neglects her. Yeah. He leaves her alone. He leads her on and right. He doesn't break up with her until like the last 25% of the book. Not even like not even in the last 50 pages or so. He's like fully in love with Celia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's just like, um, Okay, Isabel. <laughs> right. Her. And then Isabel, who's like been in love with him forever and reading all of the cards and just like choosing to ignore the message that she reads in the cards. Like, yes. Oh, that's so hard. That's so hard. I feel bad for her, honestly. When I first read the book, in my mind, Isabel was the antagonist. You know, oh, when yeah. I was 16 oh, yeah. and all about Marco and Celia, I was like, Isabel's the bad guy. But she's she's tearing them apart. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, we've all been Isabel at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she handles it very well, but the rage she has at the end of the book it's I think is something justified. we've all felt. Mm-hmm. Definitely but, justified. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that any of them really have a handle on their emotions in this book. It's either like, I think maybe Sukiko, the contortionist, she mm-hmm. has a handle on her emotions. She knows how to act like an adult. And I really like her a lot. Like, that's probably why I like her. Cause she's just like very matter of fact, very just like, well, I'll let you try. But if you don't, fix this I'm gonna come in and fix it Um, (laughs) (laughs) but everyone else is like trying to figure it out and then they can't because they're like trapped in the circus like they can't meet other people they can't grow outside of the circus they can only grow from inside which is a very theater thing like I feel like theater is very into its family and then like it doesn't really grow very easily yeah, I also think she has the benefit of experiencing this before mm-hmm. a little bit. So she she knows the game a little bit more. She's definitely viewing it from the outside. She's not as emotionally involved yeah. as any of the other performers. But none of the other performers really know what they're signing on to. True. That is true. Mm-hmm. And that is like the saddest part for me, I think, is they're all in the beginning so excited to be a part of this circus and as the years go on they realize that they're kind of trapped with the circus yeah and like the circus is still very cool after all of these years but eventually you want to move into a different project like how many times are you gonna swing to the other acrobat and land it perfectly before you start getting bored like I mean fairly quickly (laughs) right it's just also nice to have other options. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know that you could leave. Which they don't, they don't really know. Like the enchantment that Marco puts into the fire just to make sure everyone's safe is great. But also like in keeping them safe, it's keeping them in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. It, it is absolutely. And it makes it impossible for them to see their friends and family. They have to just rely on. So you have to hope that your entire family is an acrobat and you all just like went and worked for the circus together. True. Right? True. Like at least there's the Murrays, the Murrays, 
The Murrays. The Murrays, where they are a family and they're traveling with the circus. So at least there's that. I know. They got lucky. I know. (laughs) If you, not if you, I'm sure you do. You, who is your favorite side character or secondary character relationship or who are your favorites outside of Celia and Marco? I love Poppet and Widget. Uh, I love them. I, I love them so much. They are two kids who were born into the circus. So they only know the circus and they are just so sweet and so smart. Both of those kids are very compassionate and smart kids. And I love the way they move the story along. I love them. Yeah. yeah they're, they're super cool. I really appreciate how smart they are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny when their parents are like, or not, maybe not their parents, but people have suggested maybe sending them to a boarding school. And then their parents are like, no, what can they learn at boarding school that they can't learn at a circus? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, well, probably math, but <laughs> math, how to read <laughs> I <don't know>. science, <laughs> but who needs that? It's the 1800s. <laughs> True. <laughs> what are your, who are yours? Who is your favorite secondary character? Ooh. Um, well, I absolutely love Hair Tiesen. Mm-hmm. Like him and his clocks and his gentleness is just such a nice respite from like the crazy chaotic that happens in the book. Mm-hmm. And then we get like a little newspaper clipping that he's written about the circus and it's just so gentle and magical. And it, I mean, he was the original reviewer of of yes. the circus. He decided that when he got out of it for the first time, like when he left, he wrote down everything he could remember in a journal. And then those started getting published and, and everything started coming together. He didn't like actively try to choose to make a group of people that love it, but it's through his writing that a group of people came together. And I think that's so, so beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. He got together, you know, I don't know how to pronounce the word. Reviewer, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Dreamers, a group of dreamers who follow the night circus. And that is, I think, what grounds this book for me is that there are people on the outside who follow the circus because I know I would be one of them. Oh, absolutely. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, in a heartbeat, if this circus showed up in Alaska, I would be there. Me too. Sign me up. (laughs) Like, all right, great. I don't know. I do know like two people in Alaska and out of the 50 that are there, but, um, Oh, those are, that's a lot. I know. What is that? 10% of the population <laughs> outside of here, TSN. I really like the Burgess sisters though, too. Mm-hmm. Tara and Lainey. They're also very smart siblings. Maybe that's just the thing. We have very smart siblings in this book. Yeah. If you took away nothing else. <laughs> If you have a sibling, you're probably smarter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's mean. We're really good at reviewing books. (laughs) Smart siblings, the night circus. (laughs) Colon, if you don't have a brother or sister, you won't get it. You won't understand. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's just what what the sisters do like their job for the circus being hitting all of the senses like is the fabric heavy enough is it light enough does it feel 
it, it really brings it all together. It's not something you ever think about that smell affects the mood of, yeah. of what you're trying to do. And they're just, they do it flawlessly. Oh, 100%. They're so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. Oh yeah. Um, Julia, I have to ask. <laughs> okay. This is the biggest question I think I could ever ask you. Oh man. Who do you have a crush on in this book? Oh, in the book. <laughs> um, that is a very good question. When I first read the book, I would probably have said Marco mm-hmm. because I'm just really, really into emo and dramatic dudes. For sure. Uh, yeah. But now that I'm older and more better... <laughs> At, at picking people, I guess. Not really. Um, no, I think I probably have a crush on Celia. Yeah. Definitely Celia. Because she's she's so cool. She's such an empathetic character. Yes. She does magic and she's gorgeous. Like, who doesn't have a crush on Celia? I'm sorry, what's not to like? Absolutely nothing. Everything's to like. <laughs> nothing is not to like. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I would say literally the exact same answer. I used to be in love with Marco. Mm -hmm. And then I became a 20-year-old woman and realized that my teenage ways were incorrect. And I loved Celia. (laughs) She also, you guys, I guess much like Elsa, Queen of Arendelle, her powers can change her clothes. She just makes outfits for herself through her magic. And that's very cool to me. It is so cool cool all of the descriptions of like whenever stuff changes like in her audition description when her gown changes from what green I think to like a white to black Mm -hmm. and then and then they're like looking at it Shandresh the proprietor of the circus he goes up and is like looking at the fabric and being like oh my gosh this is amazing and she's just like "Mm, I know That's literally exactly what happens. <laughs> um, but Maggie, with costuming, do you cosplay at all? Do you like to dress up as characters? Do you do like closet cosplay? Um, the the biggest or the closest thing I think to cosplay I've ever done is like Disney bounding. Mm-hmm. When you go to Disney and you kind of dress as a character. Yeah. Um, I've never done cosplay. I plan Halloween costumes in my head that I never wear. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's a disappointing a answer. <laughs> uh, no, it's not disappointing because I feel like everyone does that. They are like, oh, I love this costume, but maybe I can't do it this year. But next year, just like having a constant list of costumes that you want to do eventually. Absolutely. Um, so if you were to cosplay as a character in the book, which character do you think you would do that for? And on a separate but similar note, if you were a character in the book, which one would you be? Okay. Because those are two separate, unless it's the same. Okay. If I were to cosplay, I would definitely want to be Celia and find a way to make a color-changing dress. Oh. For sure. Um, and as much as I want to say I am Celia, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> Um, what? I know. I'm sorry. It's disappointing. If I were a character in this book, I would 
definitely be Bailey. Bailey is a young boy who lives on an apple orchard farm in Oklahoma or something. He's like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't. I don't, oh I don't remember. I don't even know if they say. It. I think it's Massachusetts. Massachusetts. He lives in Concord. Okay. Yes, that that makes sense because he lives on an apple orchard and he lives a very boring life. His sister is not very nice to him. He has no future. And my family was not mean to me. That's not why I relate to him. I relate to him in terms of being bored. You know, he he was very bored and he dreamed Mm -hmm. of having this beautiful adventure. And when the night circus comes to his town, he gets the opportunity to have this adventure and follow the circus. And I think that would be me. I think I would be someone who who's desperate for a change and just follows the circus in hopes of finding where I belong. Yeah. And so Bailey, (laughs) the... (laughs) the sections of book that Bailey is in are not my favorites, but your description of them makes them a lot more palatable to me. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's just because like all of his sections in the beginning to me are really boring. Like there's no magic. It's on a dang farm. Like what are you going to do? Hang out with the sheep and sit in a tree. (laughs) Literally that's what they do. The book is so beautiful. It's It's poetic. I mean, the language is incredible and all of these fantastical elements are happening. And then all of a sudden you're on a farm in the middle of Massachusetts and you're like, why am I here right now? And it's dusty and just just, all of the the imagery that Aaron Morgenstern writes with is astounding because Uh I feel like you're just immediately thrust from London or from this beautiful circus into a farmland and you're just like why am I here and then Bailey is also like why am I here (laughs) (laughs) so it's that's a I feel like that's a pretty solid character thank you um what about you in terms of cosplay if you cosplay Mm -hmm. and who do you think you would be okay well in terms of cosplay I feel like I probably have a lot of options because I do like to cosplay and I have mm-hmm. like tons of costumes just at my disposal. But yeah. I, do, I don't have a costume really for Isabel, but most of my clothing is very like boho or mo- more like hobo. And, um, <laughs> and no, it I'm, is not. <laughs> That was just a very, like, I could probably pull together something super witchy yes. uh, and kind of in like the, the magical realm of tarotting because I have that stuff just already. So I would probably dress up as Isabel if I were to go somewhere mm-hmm. as a character. But if I was a character in the book, um, I don't think I would be Isabel. Maybe when I was younger, I would have been Isabel just because sure. she's very, she acts very rashly. Um, oh, yeah. And again, like everyone's Isabel at some point. But I think at this point in my life, I would be Tara Burgess. Mm. One of the mm-hmm. sisters. So I don't, I don't think I would be a performer in the circus. Yeah. I don't think that that would be some, I would probably want to be. And in terms of like the Burgess sisters, they still, they do sometimes like they're the, the standing statues Mm -hmm. in the circus, but they're not there all of the time. They get to pick and choose whether or not they're there. And I feel like I would be in the background enough 
but also very involved. But also Tara, uh, she, she has a depth to her in the book where I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm the deepest person I know. Um, <laughs> no, she just has like um, a depth and we see sadness from her that we don't really see in other characters. Like we see she's very intelligent and she asks questions and she shows how affected she is by her surroundings. And I like to think that I can also like I am affected by my surroundings mm-hmm. and and I would like to think that I would ask the questions that she would ask if I were Tara. Yeah, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Tara is kind of the person, correct me if I'm wrong, who notices sort of the sketchy or bad things that are going on in the circus before she anybody does. else. She does, yeah. I think like five years before anyone else. Cause I was, I was trying to track it uh, when I was reading through it this time. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, she picks up on Marco, not like being all that he says he is. She mm-hmm. picks up on, on a lot of different things um, and just asks very, not, not exactly subtle, but she asks like subtly, but also direct questions to yes. her sister where she's just like, this is not what it seems like. And her sister's just like, oh no, don't worry about it. And she's like, okay. No. And then worries about it. <laughs> Rightfully um, so. Rightfully so. Yeah. I think she covered up her mirrors at some, I think she's the character or Lainey is, I'm not sure. I, I'd have to reread again or go through. Um, but when she realizes that, you know, they're aging incredibly slowly and suddenly they have to move like to a different town because they're they're too young to blame it on good aging, but they're mm-hmm. they're too old to be like their kids, they can pass it off. Like they're in their their middle ages, they're like our age. And yeah. if suddenly stopped aging, people would start living this. I think it's Laney, but I don't remember for sure. But I think uh, yeah. Um, okay. So this book is sadly not a movie yet <laughs> or a TV show. I hope it becomes a mini series. I hope that they don't make it a movie because great. I think, yes, like the depth of everything that happens in the book and the imagery and. It would be so um, hard to capture in a movie. So hard to capture in a movie. Um, but I wanted to read this. It's on Erin Morgenstern's website under her frequently asked questions because mm-hmm. people ask her, I'm assuming many times if, <laughs> if, if it's going to be a movie. And this is what she has to say. Film rights to the night circus have already been optioned by Lionsgate. No, I do not know when or if the movie is coming out. And I do not know if you can be in it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I thought it was an incredible response. I I just I need to know like are famous people asking if they can be in the movie or are people (laughs) like random people just want to know if they can be in the movie oh my gosh now I wish I had asked her that at (laughs) the interview when I when I saw her I got to ask her a question and now I wish that was my question (laughs) I I would just want that response be like no I don't think you can be in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no instead I had asked her um 
what type of media like film or television would you want it to be Mm -hmm. and do you know if it's going to which like if I had read the website I would have picked a different question but (laughs) but uh it was just like I I want it to be either a mini series or something that's able to be spread out Mm -hmm. because it needs to have the time like it it could be a cool thing where like I know Game of Thrones really isn't a thing anymore but they adapted Game of Thrones the first book into the first season word for word in a lot of places and so I feel like maybe HBO would do really well at that hopefully but she basically said you know (laughs) I gave up any sort of opinion on what is going to happen with this? My agent asked me if I wanted to be involved and I decided that I didn't want to know. And then she was like, but now I find out stuff on Twitter. So really I should be a little bit more involved, you know, with the big <laughs> stuff. And I was right. like, yeah, probably. If you were in the casting room, mm-hmm. you get to cast this. Perfect. What are your first impressions? Who do you want to put in the movie slash TV oh, gosh. show? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, Okay, so I've given this a lot of thought. Okay, I believe it. Because, <laughs> like, obviously, I give everything a lot of thought. Um, I want Henry Cavill to be in it somewhere. I don't know where, okay. but I, I want him in it because he is just a gorgeous, wholesome human that I follow obsessively on Instagram. And I'm just like, you're a big nerd and you have muscles. So, really, you need to find a place in here. That Um, is what Julie is looking for in her movies, guys. (laughs) And in my guys, guys. Um, But outside of that, more specifically, I think I would want Christoph Waltz. Uh, He's Hmm. in Inglorious Bastards and other stuff, I'm sure, uh, to be Hertiesen. Okay. I think he has a cool kind of zany but gentle quality about him where he could pull that off. Also, I think Hertiesen, I've just always imagined him with like gray hair, but still good looking man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a preference for the lady like Celia or Isabel. I don't really have any sort of person in mind, mm-hmm. uh, but Marco ready for a random one. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh I want Marco to be played by Avin Jogia or Jogia, the guy who played Beck on Victorious. Oh my God, taking me back to middle school. Throwback. He would be so good at it. He's got the long hair and the very like intense, dreamy eyes. Very intense. And I think. Like I, I watch him on TikTok every now and then, and he's just so funny, but also has like the emo dude vibe that I think Marco sure. also has. I that's, love it. That's my pick. What about you? Well, for Celia, I would love for Zendaya to take on the role. I just think she would be so good. Um, Florence Pugh as Isabel. I love her. Me too. I think she would be so good, especially because I think Amy is semi-similar <laughs> to Isabel. I could like if that. Isabel was a character, like if Isabel were to cast herself in Little Women, <laughs> she would be Amy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yes. For Marco, I was thinking, and I didn't look up his name again, like a dummy. That's the sexy, dreamy guy from Bridgerton, reggae, Paul Jean or something like that. Yeah, something like that. He was on SNL. Yes. He would be very good at being sort of like lovable and wanted while he's still making bad decisions and being a little standoffish. I haven't watched Bridgerton, so I don't really know if that's what he is like with well, his character, but I trust your instincts. And also this is your casting choice. That's right, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, I'm just going to add it in there. I think Colin Firth should play Alexander. Oh, I could see that. So <laughs> I figured out, I, I, I figured out um, what voices I was imagining when I was reading Hector and Alexander. Yes. I know at one point I was like, I can hear the voices in my head, but I don't yes. know the people that I put them to. I figured it out because I Googled British narrator voice. Okay. Okay. And it helped so much. Um, I was picturing the voice of Patrick Stewart as Alexander. Ah, oh, amazing pick. Right. So the actor that played Vernon Dursley in Harry Potter, he's dead now. So yeah, I was going to say, he can't be Hector, but like, I hear his voice sometimes when Hector would get like really mad at Celia and it's just okay. like, like that gruff kind of British and like larger, but then also uh, Derek Jacobi. I don't know who that is. He is a, uh, I mean, I know him through a lot of Shakespeare. Uh, okay. He does a lot of Shakespeare performances. The last thing I watched him in was Kenneth Branagh's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I've seen that. Who yeah. is he in that? He is Mercutio. Oh, okay. But again, older British male voice. I like Colin Firth, though. Thank That's, you. Is that okay? Wait, hang on. I mix up Colin Firth and Colin Farrell. What is Colin Firth in? Is he um, what a girl wants? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Pride and Prejudice. I, King's Speech. I watched that one. Okay. Um, thought, it's long. It's like eight hours. That's fair. Isn't that like a mini series too? Yeah. So we have our characters, mm-hmm. the way we want the movie to be. What lines absolutely have to be in it do you have a favorite line or section that you would die if it wouldn't be in in it um I think in general I would die if it's not word for word but (laughs) I do I do have a favorite sort of a favorite line and it is something that's always kind of stuck with me every time I read it it's a part that I have underlined and highlighted many times Um, And it's, I would have written you myself if I could put down in words everything I want to say of you, say to you, a sea of ink would not be enough, but you built me dreams instead. Love it. That's really nice. I have one. Um, You will be fine. The fortune teller says there may be decisions to make and surprises in store. Life takes us to unexpected unexpected places sometimes the future is never set in stone remember that <laughs> I love that one too I'm just like ah, oh, okay there's some good stuff that comes out of Isabel um I actually have it on a necklace like 
You were telling me that. I'm wearing it today. (gasps) An ex's mom bought it for me for Christmas. It's a very good gift. That's thoughtful as heck. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I think the last thing we should do is say what our favorite tent is. Ooh. Okay. All right. In the circus. I think that my favorite is the ice garden. I do not like being cold. I do not like snow, but there is something very snow queen magical about thinking of this ice garden. It really makes me believe that snow and ice are truly beautiful. Everything seems like pristine and I don't know, glistening. Like the section of the book where she's talking about it, it just feels so sparkly. What about you? I had you go first because I was trying to think of it at the same time. Uh, I I think I would my favorite tent that I would spend the most time in would probably be the cloud maze. That is a way better answer. (laughs) No, 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 no. Like I (laughs) I don't like heights whatsoever. I have driven a truck on a mountain pass and just white knuckled it the entire time. I hate heights, but I feel like the cloud maze might get me over that because like you're gently going up and up and up Mm -hmm. and then to get back down, you have to jump. And so you're either stuck there forever or you trust that something's going to catch you and you jump off of it. Um, and plus landing on a cloud might be really fun. I'm sorry. That would be amazing. Right? You guys ignore my answer. Julia's right. You should want to <laughs> play in the clouds and jump into a cloud. <laughs> ignore the ice garden. No. Ignore the ice garden. <laughs> the ice garden is nice and gentle. It is. Mine is like, let's hur- hurl ourselves off of clouds. Julia is turning into a thrill seeker. Oh, gosh. <sighs> well, um, Julia, do you have any final thoughts? Or maybe a book recommendation for our listeners who have read The Night Circus and loved it and are maybe looking for something else? I think the first one that pops into mind is Aaron Morgenstern's other book, mm-hmm. The Starless Sea. That yeah. came out, uh, I think, last year. That's where like, she was doing the book tour and that's where I met her. Um, she was promoting The Starless Sea. It has a very different vibe to it than the night circus. It has a totally different color scheme, but it is about, it's a story about stories and Mm. it's also kind of episodic and it's very cool and otherworldly. That would be my book recommendation. What about you? Perfect. Um, the 10,000 doors of January. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Very good about that in a different episode (laughs) you still can (laughs) maybe the prettiest book cover it's beautiful that's the only reason I picked it up that's the only reason I picked it up too it is so pretty the book is about this young girl who goes through multiple doors to different lands in hopes of finding her father and herself it's beautiful I highly recommend it I don't think it's a young adult novel, but it reads as easy as one. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend it for sure. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, what a good recommendation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're getting excited about books we've already read. I know. 
Well, we heckin' did it, guys. First episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard and want more content just like it, subscribe to our Patreon. You get a peek at our book notes, and each month we have a super fun, extra special episode about the novel finds we are currently reading. We also do a monthly Q&A session where we answer your questions. Ask us anything. Feel free to email us your questions at novelfindspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's novelfindspodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit your questions on our Patreon. And if you need more bookish content in your life, you can also follow us on Instagram at novelfindspodcast. Our email, Patreon, and Instagram handle can be found in our bio. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you all in two weeks.